halfway through. We have stories of the dead coming back to life to tell us of the dead evil. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. The All-American to an eyeball when it gets punctured. If you got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck when his throat's been slit. What do you want? I want you to stop me. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm Josh and I'm joined with Will. Yellow. And the Professor Smoke. What's up, y'all? And this week, we are going to be reviewing and discussing the uh, horror, the 80s horror classic, uh, or thriller, however you want to classify it, uh, The Hitcher from 1986. But it's also kind of somewhat of a, uh, our tribute show to the late, great Rutger Hauer, who obviously stars as uh, John Ryder in this movie, um, but who has uh, left a, a big mark on the, on the genre and... And tons of other uh, movies over his uh, his long career. Who he just passed in uh, July of uh, 2019. So I guess this is kind of uh, in tribute to him. You know, we'll kind of we'll talk the Hitcher, obviously, but we'll also talk a little bit about his career. But before we get into all that, Will Smoke, uh, I guess I, Will, I'll throw to you. Well, what you been uh, up to lately? What you been watching? Uh, me and the wife went to go see uh, Good Boys last night. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to uh, go see that, yeah, definitely go go check it out. I mean, you know, it's a it's a comedy kind of in the vein of like Super Bad, but it's uh it's pretty damn good. It's a great date movie. Is it? Uh, I'm sure you didn't look up all the background stuff like that, but is it? It's by the same guys, right? Or maybe some? Oh yeah, yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think you know, like Seth Rogen and and that whole group. Yeah, so it's basically yeah. just that uh, a different version of that, except with smaller kids. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but just as filthy language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's just as important as to keep it as filthy as, uh, as all the rest. A- anything else you've been watching? Uh, I mean, uh, I think we mentioned briefly that's... in the last episode you watching the boys. So, uh, are you? Yeah, yeah I finished watching the boys, man. That's a yeah. uh, that's a uh, that's a good show. Smoke, what about you? Anything anything new? Theaters at home? The old, uh, the oldest VHS scary stories and Tom the Dark. Oh, on VHS too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what'd you say? Uh, yeah, scary stories. The Tell in the Dark was, I liked it. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's you know necessarily they weren't trying to necessarily be 100 percent accurate to the those books that came out when I guess when I was young. I think it was in the, I guess late 70s and into the early 80s. The scary stories of Tell in the Dark I used to volumes love, one, I used two, to and love three. Or those so. books, man. I read them all the time. Yep. <laughs> they were. I guess not trying to, to tell those stories like you would, like, if you were thinking about it, you may think, well, it'd be like a creep show type thing where they just take each story and break it down. And mm-hmm. they were actually adding, like, a framework around it with these other kids who, without giving too much away, just finds this book of scary stories, and, and they kind of go from there. So, I mean, but, uh, I, thought, I thought it was good the way they did it. Uh, I definitely want to check it out, but, I mean, you almost, you'd almost have to kind of tell it that way because those stories were really short, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. And and they were always just designed to just, you know, for you to yell at somebody at the end of them, you know. So like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. And then they turn the corner and, you know, and then you grab a hold of them. That was, you know, is, and, the, and the whole story is like a page. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's not like it's uh, a. Yeah. It's not like it's Nightmares and Dreamscapes by uh, Stephen King, you know, where you can, you can make whole movies out of one. Uh, right short story 
Or unless you're like Stuart Gordon and you can make like an entire movie out of a you know four, three or four page H.P. Lovecraft story, you like from beyond. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, with a lot of embellishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, but it, it was it had its moments too, as far as like tension and and creepiness. They didn't skip from skip away on that, and you know some of those stories when you read them as a kid, they're like, wow, that's gross. You know, the like the toe. Remember the big toe? Yeah, the big toe. That story, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't skip on the sort of you know nastiness of that, mm-hmm. the way the story developed on that one. So, and the creatures that were in it are, uh, you know, of course, you if you read the books, you. The artwork stands out just as much as the stories do, if not more so. Uh, so the artwork, or the uh, creatures they design for the movie, were very much re- resemble their, you know, counterpoints or counterparts in the artwork in the book. Yeah, that's cool. And other than that, I started watching. <laughs> it's an old series, and it's not horror related, but metal, uh, metal evolution series on uh, breaking down different genres of heavy metal. But it's back from 2011, I think. Finally getting around to watching it now from uh, Sam Dunn. The, director of metal a headbangers journey which is a documentary that came out sometime out in 2009 or 10 or so mm-hmm. and then that based on the popularity of that i guess he did a series but i never got around to it until now but it's really good if you like metal you know even if you don't it's good history on uh, some of the, you know before metal like proto metal and hard rock back in the 70s all right so anyway i'll, I'll throw out the old usual information you can uh, contact us you know with any questions or anything at all american spook show at gmail.com uh, you can find us on twitter at aa spook show uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. You can find us by searching All American Spook Show. And we have a Tee Public page where, you know, we sell some uh, logo T-shirts and uh, whatever else they slap the old logo on. So uh, you can go there and find that and help support the cause. So I guess before we uh, really go any further, you know, like as far as, uh, you know, into the Hitcher itself, um, I guess we'll take a moment to kind of talk about uh, Rutger Hauer a little bit. Um, Smoke, were you able to dig up any info on... Uh, the late great Rutger Hauer. Um, yeah, well, he's uh, born in the Netherlands, on January twenty third, nineteen forty four. So, made him seventy five years old at the time of his death. Oh, he's in over one hundred and seventy movies, engines, I saw, everything I saw that, yeah, from like he had the, like, you know, uh, horror genre to dramas to romantic movies to sci fi to anything in, and everything in between. So, yeah, I saw that. Definitely on, had good range. You on know. Uh, IMDb, he had over one hundred and seventy three credits. As an yeah. Actor. So yeah. That, He's done a little bit of everything, for sure. And, of course, I probably, I mean, if you had to break it down, you know, how they, certain actors, if you break it down into what is the movie that kind of broke him, I guess, out to a wider audience, it would have to be, I mean, outside of his native country and everything, it would have to be Blade Runner. Roy Batty. Yep, Roy Batty. And this whole, and that whole, you know, end sequence, the tears in the rain sequence and everything is just one of the, probably one of the most memorable scenes in cinema for me. Yeah, and wasn't that uh, all improv? I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like that, that yeah. whole speech. As he tends to do. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, even though we haven't gotten to the you know breakdown of this movie yet, but certain scenes of this movie he improv, you know, the, the intro scene when he gets in the car with uh, C. Thomas Howe mm-hmm. and the whole switchblade scene was improv. But we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, yeah, he's one of my favorite. Uh, always has been one of my favorite actors. And, I mean, having 170 movies, I've still really only seen a handful of, you know, of that ratio oh yeah no i mean like i'm just as you're talking i'm looking down the list you know like all of his credits yeah like oh yeah i haven't seen you know even a portion of this stuff but some of my favorites so they came from like the uh the 80s of course i mean mm-hmm. was the area when i grew up in and written videos from and he popped up in a lot of them and you know things like uh blind fury where he was the blind swordsman yeah I haven't seen which was a takeoff of uh zatoichi i don't know you ever heard of zatoichi as a japanese 
sort of folk tale of the blind swordsman. Yeah. Well, this is kind of an Americanized version of that. I just saw this. I, 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 one I'd forgot. Uh, in 1981, uh, he was in Nighthawks. Yes, uh, Nighthawks. Still, <laughs> still got that tape, too. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one, man. Yeah, that was a good one. And then uh, there's some, yeah, a little bit, I guess, more low-key, maybe a bit more B-movie-ish, but still really good. Or at least I think so, was a Blood of Heroes and A Breed Apart. Kind of act more action flicks and, you know, that from that genre of sort of the B-movie action flicks that were really going around in the 80s. But, you know, he, he definitely made them stand out more so, more so than, you know, any of uh, the other actors in those necessarily in those movies. Worth watching it just for him and those two. It's almost surprising, you know, after his role in uh, uh, Blade Runner that his career didn't take off even more than yeah. it, it did, really. I mean, he was so good in that movie. Yeah. You would think he would have had a couple of uh, really big parts after that, but he only had a handful. Yeah, I mean, he was in a ton of yeah, stuff, but I'm just talking about like a really big star turn. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he, didn't, he never really had it after that. Yeah, he just ended up going in. I mean, the movies he did do, I mean, you know, they, he was the main draw for them. But yeah, unfortunately, they were they maybe didn't have the budget. You know, there were the B movie type things going around in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you would have thought he would have broke out into even more mainstream roles. Uh, like One and Dead or Alive. You ever seen that one? Yeah, yeah. One with Gene Simmons is in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that movie too. And uh, Lady Hawk, of course, he was in there. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. the original movie from uh, nineteen ninety two. Yes, he's in that. Yeah, that was uh, Will's favorite movie, of course. Buffy the Vampire. Oh yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> But Josh's favorite TV show. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Oh, yeah, Flesh and Blood. He was in that with uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who was in The Hitcher. Um, and she actually w- wanted the role in The Hitcher because she had worked with Rucka Howard on Flesh and Blood. That was how she got the part, why she wanted the part. He had a long and storied career. I mean, it started in the late 60s in the Netherlands and went all the way up until, you know, I guess until uh, his death, really. I mean, he, he's... Yeah, yeah. There, there are things that he made that still haven't even come out yet. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mean, I think he had another part of his career that took off once he did a hobo with a shotgun in 2011. That was oh, another yeah, great one, yeah. <laughs> and I think his career kind of pushed his career out there a little bit more as far as the B movie actor and so. You know, on, on IMDb, it always lists like here's what they're like what a specific actor is known for. So it'll have like the mm-hmm. top, it'll have like their top three or four things. Um, mm-hmm. For him, it's li- it's listed. He's known for Blade Runner. Hobo with a Shotgun, Batman Begins, <laughs> and Sin City. I, mean, I think I'd put the Hitcher over either one of them. Yeah, I would, you know. yeah, me too. I would, I would say so, too. I mean, of course, Blade Runner. You know, he's going to be aware of that because not only is that, that just yeah. a great movie, his role in it, it for me, is equal to you know Harrison Ford's role. As I'd far give as you Blade Runner. Not sometimes I, oh, staging them. You know. I'd give you Blade Runner, and I might even give you Hobo with a Shotgun. But Yeah, oh, yeah. But, but he's <laughs> got to be. It's, the Hitcher's right there. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it should be right there. Other than Batman Begins, role. yeah, you can see why they're going to list. They're going to list Batman Begins, I guess, and Sin City because they're maybe the more mainstream. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But not because that's not because he's the, you know, his role in it's not as good and bad as it was in, say, cause yeah, in I mean, The Hitcher. He's a blip on the radar, you know, on yeah. the, in those movies yeah. compared to The Hitcher. I mean, like, The Hitcher isn't the same without Rutger Hauer's, you know, John Ryder. As we've learned from the remake. Yeah, exactly. And I can't remember the guy's name from Lord of the Rings right now. The guy yeah. that played Boromir, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. When you're scratching well, I, I did see something. I did see something while I was looking up. Apparent, well, apparently, like this this role of a uh, writer was offered to two other people, but one of them being Sam Elliott. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw that, that too. He was taking it, but he had a commitment, right? I think yeah, that would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think he would have pulled it off. You know, he would have pulled it off, and it would have been good. But I still don't know if he's yeah. got that. I don't know if he's got that cold, 
what why is this guy doing well no 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 that's the thing the, the thing that i read uh, i guess the director or producer whoever uh like let him come in and read for it said that uh sam elliott was like so intense and creepy during his uh, audition that uh they were afraid to walk out to the car after uh <laughs> wrapping up <laughs> well that's pretty good yeah well, i'm like i said i'm not saying he wouldn't have done a good job he probably would have he's a good actor but uh, yeah, I, but I but all you think of now is like the characters, like uh, uh, like the dude at the bar and uh, uh, the Lebowski. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. and all of his western movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Roadhouse, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. <laughs> Who can forget? Why are you doing this? <laughs> well, <laughs> why don't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> was that was that the line from the Hitcher? What about <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They left that on the cutting room floor. <laughs> that was a scene they shot, but, you know, since he had prior commitments, he had to leave, and they just you know, got rid of it. And since he wasn't in it at all, they just decided to leave. <laughs> I want you to say, I want to die. Really what happened was they said, uh, you know, Sam, you're going to have to lose that mustache. And he's like, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, you could take a flying fuck. <laughs> that sounded more like John Wayne than Sam Elliott. My bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I ought to. Well, my God, girl. Uh, See, so yeah, anyways, back to Rutger Hauer. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, to me, I, I'm putting the hitcher, like, you know, if I'm making my own pecking order, it's right there, dude. Like, if... if you know, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. think it's Blade Runner and then either the Hitcher or Hobo with the shotgun. And yeah. then, you know, then everything yeah. else, in my opinion. That's just me. Um, but, he, yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff, ton of movies, ton of TV shows. I mean, he, his his fingerprints are everywhere, and, and he will be he will be missed for sure. Um, but at least he left us with a, uh, a huge body of work to go back and, you know, talk about. And, and I know that this won't be the last time we talk about him right here on this podcast. So with that being said, here's to you, Mr. Rutger Hauer. All right, so I guess with that, you know, we'll go ahead and dive into uh, The Hitcher. But before we give the background and information and talk about what we usually talk about and then go into the movie, here's the trailer for The Hitcher from trailer for the hitcher will this is you said this is the first time you've seen this one yes sir uh so 
what were your initial reactions? So uh, this movie is about a uh, an escape, a, a psychotic escape artist, is what it seems like to me. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. Uh, I'm gonna get caught. There's no way for me to get away. Wait a minute, I got away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think of uh, I think uh, Grand Theft Auto got a lot from this movie by taking a pistol and shooting down a helicopter. Uh, well, don't give the movie away now. Come on now, this is the good shit. <laughs> don't spoil so it I, before we spoil it. You know, yeah, yeah. So no. I, I'll leave it there. How about you, Smoke? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while. I've seen it. Uh, I never I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, saw it on. I don't know, home video or whatever movie channel might have played it back then. I know it was played on one of them quite a few times. Back around, I guess, 1987, 88, maybe. Yeah, I think I saw that this was, like, uh, I guess, partly made by HBO or something like that. Wasn't yeah. that yeah. the uh, intro of it? Yeah, it was made by HBO yeah. Pictures. Yep, and that's the, the VHS I got. I have to post a picture of the VHS on the on the, pay, on the Facebook page. But is a Thorn Emmy HBO video, so yeah. yeah, distributors of it on video as well. well I will but yeah, say, it probably I'm sure it was HBO that I saw it multiple times on, but I think I saw it on video the first time when it, whatever year it came out on video, '87 probably. But and, uh, but was, when you watched it back then, what were your initial yeah. reactions? Uh, well, the first time I saw it, I was in awe of I don't know if Rucker Howard. That was the first, uh, not the first I came across Rucker Howard because it would have been Blade Runner. But at the time I saw Blade Runner. I, I didn't know his name, you know, I didn't know yeah. who this guy was. I just know that when I saw the Hitcher, it kind of, you know, came to me at some point during, oh, this is the android in, you know, Blade Runner. So. And it's just even, just very intense. Mm-hmm. I pretty much immediately watched it again. So <laughs> before I turned in the videotape, watched it the second time. And then, it, yeah, and then kept seeing it on HBO multiple times after that. And so it's just as good each time I watched it. Not better. Yeah. Uh, I think it's what you might, I guess you'd call a sleeper, right, at that time. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely positive. The first time I saw this was, like, uh, taping stuff off a of late night on HBO. You know, like, Hell yeah. it, uh, that's that's the trick. Wait, wait, was this was this the purpose of taping, or were you trying to get something that came on after this? <laughs> or was it, were you on Skinamax? You, you just, thought it was HBO? No. <laughs> Look, you just catch what you catch, you know. <laughs> I can't help. It's like fishing, man. Yeah. Sometimes you get something good. Uh-huh. I can't. I can't help what wanders up on the bait. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. I, I don't. I may have discussed this at some point or another on the podcast. I can't remember. But like a, a thing that we used to do, and I'm sure we're not alone in this, is like you would pop in a tape and tape for you know however long you could tape. Say like it was a six hour. Oh yeah, tape. four hours yeah, or eight. Yeah, I think it was what. Yeah, four, four six, was the standard cheapy one, and then you could get the eight hour. And- you did something like that, yeah. Four, EP six, eight, whatever, you know, like however long yeah. the tape was, say six hours, you would just you would know, say, All right, the hitcher's coming on at uh midnight. You'd pop a tape in and start taping it and then just let it tape the rest of the night. And then uh yeah. the next morning you'd wake up and see what you found, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> oh wait, now I go back and crack myself. I say I think I said four, but <laughs> I'm really dating myself because I think four was beta. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like two <laughs> That's when I used to that's what I was recording to begin with that day, but that dates yeah, but if yeah, I recall, like your, common, your common VHS was like two hours, four hours, six hours, right? I think six hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you do it two hours in SP mode, right? And yeah, SLP, SP, whatever. I forget what the middle one. I never used the middle one. Uh, no, I had a little bit more money. I might would record, and I really wanted to keep it. Yeah, I, I might record it two hours. <laughs> Maybe but most yeah, of the time yeah. I didn't have that if, kind of money, so I'm recording the whole you know six hours shebang. Exactly. If you're taping a movie like you're like yeah, I'm taping this and I'm never taping over it, then yeah, maybe you do the two hours set yeah. to get better quality, but. 
Otherwise, everybody would stretch the yeah. shit out of that tape. Try and I'll try to cut it off right as before the credits roll, so I get a little bit more time out of it. You know, because yeah. credits going to be about whatever four or five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or so. Yeah, to pull back the curtain. Yeah, uh, I'm actually a videotape editor, so doing this back then was kind of the early uh, videotape, ed- the early uh, inception of uh, me videotape editing, I guess. But yeah, so like I'm pretty sure that's the first time I saw this. I was probably fairly young. You know, like I would have been eight, nine, ten, eleven years old when I watched this, and I remember it. Uh, being pretty uh pretty intense you know for whenever you know for my age when i watched it that now this is this movie is a little bit different from a lot of the movies that we've watched here and will watch is that i'd say this is more of a thriller than it is a horror an outright horror movie you know yes actually that was just what i was about to mention was about that but or about the fact that it's not even about gore i mean there's some there's a little bit of you know there's violence in it and there's a little bit of gory scenes but not most of it is implied. Oh, there's one scene. In a very yeah, nasty way. <laughs> there's one scene in particular where you know it could have got it could have got pretty nasty. Oh yeah, yeah. And I get well. I guess we're getting that as we get to it. But yeah. I know, and they wanted to initially. I'm sure. But uh, as far as the story, the original story was written, and what they were going to film, but then they pulled back on some of that stuff, and yeah. you got what you got as far as you know where it's almost going to get to that moment, and then you don't see that moment. Yeah, and then and then they just, just like, yep, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> And that might have been one of the things that, I don't know, did you, I haven't, one of the things I didn't pull up on this, and you might have, Josh, was like the budget, not the budget, but what it made at the box office and all that, but I know that it didn't do as well, nearly as well as what they wanted it to. No, yeah. And I I think maybe some of it was because they maybe pulled the reins in too much and didn't put enough of that. That yeah. uh, violent gore, other gore in there for that time period. In the uh, yeah, I did. I did look up some of that information. We'll get to that here oh. shortly, uh, okay. like we usually do. But uh, yeah. so yeah, this one. Uh, so this one's a little different from what we, you know, our usual fare. But you know, it's still in line with you know, with things. So it's not too far off the grid. But it's just not your outright gory horror type of movie either. You know. So I just wanted to note that before we dive in. So. Uh, this movie, The Hitcher, 1986, was released February 21st, 1986, by HBO Pictures and Silver Screen Partners, and it was distributed by TriStar Pictures. So that's the big, you know, the uh, the big. What is that like a a Pegasus or some shit that you see? Yeah, TriStar. Yeah, you know, yeah the, fa- the famous yeah. one that you know anyone that grew up in the era, you know what I'm talking about. The total runtime for this movie is one hour thirty seven minutes, so it's right there in that usual tight you know little window for your average uh, horror thriller movie. Uh, it was rated R. Now that goes back to what we were just talking about. Like, seems to me you know that like like you said they could have ratcheted it up. A little bit. It was it was very intense and violent, but I would imagine it's probably rated R more just for the intensity of it than True, yeah. anything you actually really really see. You know, yeah. Pro- probably that in language too, right? I mean, there's yeah, there's, yeah, there's plenty of uh, language in it. Uh, no, uh, no nudity really though, nothing like that. Yeah, no. Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't get to see Rutger Hauer naked. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I met Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> um, so, the budget for this movie was $5.8 million. Now, I emphasize that because, according to what I can find, it made $5.8 million <laughs> in the box office. Um, Just breaking even. Pretty much. Not even that, really. I mean, because, like, I'm sure, like, if someone that knows more about that could probably break it down, like I'm sure they still lost money on it because, 
you know, even breaking even, you're not, you know, in box office, you're not really with all the expense to put in for advertising and all that other shit. So, yeah, they, they lost money on this one, I would imagine. Unless HBO. Yeah, got, that's what I said, too. Yeah, I mean, unless HBO got some extra uh, kick off of it for, uh, you know, being able to uh, show it for the next, you know, thousand years on HBO. <laughs> yeah. But it came out, uh, like I said, the weekend of, uh, or February 21st, 1986. That particular weekend, it was number eight in the box office. It's a good start. And it made $2.1 that first week. So it didn't really gain much more after that for however long it was out. But that first weekend it was out, uh, its competition was uh, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, which was number one, Wildcats, The Color Purple, oh, yeah. Chuck Norris in The Delta Force. Oh, yeah, it had some competition in there. Yeah, Murphy's Romance, Out of Africa, <laughs> and FX. Those, those were all, <laughs> yes. that was the top seven. Yeah. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to do too much on those. I mean, especially coming <laughs> from, you know, from out of left field type thing. Yeah. I'm sure that was director's first movie. Uh, Rucker Howard and maybe C. Thomas Howell and had probably only done a couple things up to that point. <laughs> and you uh, yeah. during this time period, they were all you were also into the third month of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Oh. it was still making money. And of course, uh, Back to the Future, which was you know one of the bigger ones of the year. <laughs> what was it? What was that one? I don't remember. Quite, <laughs> a, that, little, that was, oh, yeah. a little indie film. Oh, okay. so with that, it uh, the movie stars as we've been talking about here, Rutger Hauer as uh, John Ryder. It also stars C. Thomas Howell as Jim Halsey. I mean, really, this is a two-man movie for the most part, right? I mean, it's it's most of this movie is just about these two guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jennifer Jason Leigh just kind of pops in yeah, at she various points in. in one very important scene. Yes, <laughs> that's, yes of course. Yeah. But she, the bedroom scene, right? Yeah, that's one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like any switcheroo HBO bedroom show. Scene. Uh, it was a switcheroo. It's <laughs> Thomas Howell and it's like a Howard and what? Like any HBO show, you know, you got to have a bedroom scene. Mm-hmm. That's right. Although this one goes nowhere. Red Shoe Diaries, starring Rucker Howard, Jennifer Jason <laughs> Lee. Or it goes two places. See <laughs> Thomas Howell. He's probably best known uh, beyond this. He'd be best known for The Outsiders. From 1983 and uh, E.T. Yeah, uh, E.T. That was his first movie, I think. Right? I believe uh, he was. Yeah, he was also in the uh, the fourth Spider-Man movie, The Amazing Spider-Man. You know where they try to reboot it. Oh yeah, he's yeah. in that, and, and it had plenty of other things. Like I said, he, he's another one of those guys that's been in a ton of TV. Oh, movies. I think his resume was even more as far as acting roles than Norka Howard's was. I think it was 200 and something. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's one of those guys that would be in just about anything. I mean, he's been in tons of TV yeah. shows. Movies, tons of really bad cable acts, whatever the crappy, you know. Yeah. I know he did a few of those crappy cable type TV <laughs> movies for zero budget. I would imagine he's probably been in a lot of that shit sci-fi makes. Was I he in any of those Emmanuel movies you were talking about? <laughs> Emmanuel in Bangkok. Oh. <laughs> Emmanuel catching a ride. Yeah, you're right. I, I just looked at it. Uh, he was in. Uh, it looks like his first role was in uh, E.T. And then the Outsiders, and then uh, Red Dawn. The oh hit, yeah, yeah, Red the Dawn, hit, the yeah. Hitcher. So he he had a pretty good little run there at the beginning, and then it just kind of kind of started sliding downhill a little bit. Yeah, oh, and Soul Man. Remember when Soul Man? That was <laughs> that's probably where it started going downhill. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't think After you see that. that. I don't think you see that movie played very much any <laughs> anymore. True. So yeah, and it also stars uh, uh, like we just said, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, she is Nash. You, you never learn her. I, I'm assuming that's her first name. Hell if I know, but 
She's only referred oh, to yeah. as Nash. So. Or nickname or something. Yeah, it's either her first or last or nickname, whatever. It doesn't matter. But she would best be known for, beyond this, she'd best be known for The Hateful Eight. I know both of y'all have seen that. Remember, she was kind of like the, mm-hmm. the the wild woman with like the oh, yeah. messed up teeth. She'd be known yeah. from uh, Dolores Claiborne. Forgot about that one. Single white female. Uh, I mean, just a good handful of things. I mean, on IMDb, she has 98 credits. So once again, another one that's been on a ton of TV shows and movies. Uh, she was in that uh, uh, reboot or, uh, or I guess continuation of Twin Peaks a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Anyone else after that though? You're just kind of well. There, there's at least one more uh, quote unquote bigger name that you you know a character actor that you would know, and the guy that plays Captain Estridge, his name is Jeffrey Damon. Um, mm. You only really see him toward like the last what twenty minutes of the twenty minutes or so of the movie, but that dude's been in a ton of stuff. He was in the Green Mile, The Mist, um, this. He was in X Files, uh, tons of TV shows uh, like Billions currently. Um, tons of movies, but he's he's one of those veteran character actor guys that like you know you'd point him out and say oh yeah it's that guy you know he's he's another one of those dudes, and uh, it also start a much smaller role. Trooper Donner, it is Billy Green Bush. Now anyone that's listening to the uh, podcast may remember Billy Green Bush as the father in Critters, which we <laughs> uh, we talked about a handful of episodes ago. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a connection to uh, Critters. If we were doing six degrees of separation or, or uh, Kevin Bacon or whatever. Six degrees of the spook show. Yeah, yeah. Six degrees of spook show there. We can go directly to Critters for him. <laughs> the movie was directed by Robert Harmon. Uh, I didn't really get to do a lot of uh, research into him. Uh, did you get a t- chance to look smoke? Yeah, Harmon, this was his first movie, his debut. After he made this one, he did a John Travolta movie, which is like a drama called Eyes of an Angel in 1991. I don't even think I ever saw that one. I mean, I remember the title and I remember John Travolta. I mean, a John Travolta drama... Romantic drama probably wouldn't have drawn my attention then, or now, really. But <laughs> after that, he did Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called Nowhere to Run in 1993. Mm-hmm. Revisited. He, he did a few other things in TV, I think, after that. And then he revisited the, the horror thriller genre again in 2002 with a movie called They. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, but I never saw that. And I remember I, uh, the, it seems the cover I, art for it. Yeah, yeah, it seems I remember like the, the, the uh, concept of it more than the actual movie. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I never did either. And uh, then in 2004, he did a movie called The Highwaymen, which, again, was sort of a horror thriller. I haven't seen that one. These two are the probably ones I'm going to revisit or visit again or visit at some point for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Down the road here, not too. I want to. Uh, the Highwaymen seemed kind of interesting, too. And then uh, after that, now, I, I don't know if this, you say, maybe is the most thing he's famous for beyond the Hitcher, but there is a series of movies he did that were adapted from a crime author, Robert Parker, with the character of uh, Jesse Stone. In these books, it's like a series of nine crime novels, mm-hmm. and the movies that he adapted, he directed, starred Tom Selleck as uh, Jesse Stone. And uh, I actually had somebody recommend those movies to me before. So I might check them out. I didn't know. I get until I was looking at this. I didn't know that uh, Robert Harmon, the director, the Hitcher, directed all of those Tom Selleck, Jesse Stone movies. So. Uh-huh. Uh, this might be a good time to mention. I did see this about uh, the guy that uh, wrote it. Uh, his name is Eric Red. Oh, yeah. uh, apparently, when uh, he was just starting out, he had to take like a drive or something uh, across country. Like he was going to Texas or something. And as he's driving across country, he got the idea for the movie from uh, listening to Riders on the Storm by the Doors. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of like, you know, I guess the early foundation of this movie is, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that song. So he kind of took elements of the song and kind of uh, 
you know, wrote the movie, turned it into a movie, yeah. kind of, you know, in a roundabout way. But yeah, yeah no, especially. That. I mean, if you've heard that song, know the lyrics. I mean, that what the midsection of the song where it talks about uh, there's a killer on the road and his uh, his brain squirming like a toad. Mm-hmm. Take a long holiday. I'm not gonna sing it. I'm not gonna <laughs> sing. It. I'm just gonna say it. You know? Oh come on, <laughs> come on. Go ahead and kick it in, smoke. Uh, <laughs> And then it's like, if you give the man a ride, sweet family will die. Killer on the road. So. Yeah. You yeah. definitely see the connection there. Me but. personally, that's always been one of my favorite door songs right there. Yeah. I well, thought that was kind of cool, a cool connection. Yeah. And I could definitely see the inspiration for, you know, for this movie in that, you know, now that it's been pointed out. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can see, you know. And as the dude, like, you know, he's driving across the desert at the end, at the beginning, and then a storm rolls in. Yeah. And the, yeah, that big tumbleweed, the tumbleweeds yeah. and everything in that yeah, scene. Yeah, and that's kind, of, and and really, that's kind of the, the symbolic way of like how Ryder kind of rolls in on the storm, right? You know, John yeah. Ryder. Yeah. Not to get too. I'm pretty sure that's where his name up. probably came from too. I mean, just Rider him being a rider, <laughs> a hitcher, <laughs> and the riders of the storm. Although they hadn't really, like, well, you know, I guess we'll talk about that deep, uh, you know, once we could dive into it here shortly, but. uh didn't they say that the dude had no history, basically? Yeah. They, they had nothing Well, he's on. from Disneyland, I think. I think that's what he's... No. <laughs> he said that himself right now. I thought he was just full of shit. I didn't want to take it as fact, but okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, that's what I was, Disneyland, okay. It was produced by David Bombick and Kip Oman, um, which I don't really know anything about them, but, you know, we usually mention... Uh, oh, yeah. All that yeah. information. I got nothing on them either. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they did. They've done great and wonderful things. <laughs> other than the fact that or the, like Willie had already mentioned too about the Sam Elliott connection I think that had to do with them one of them one of them producers if not both of them <laughs> trying to bring him on board <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, uh, with that is there anything else you guys want to add you know before we start diving in well kind of going along the same lines of uh, Sam Elliott uh, the producers apparently mentioned for the for the role of uh, Jim Matthew Modine Tom Cruise Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. So in some alternate world, we've <laughs> yeah, got a really, <laughs> a really peculiar looking uh, Hitcher movie. Which is which is funny. Which is funny if you think about it, considering like a lot of those dudes you just named weren't they like all, if not most of those guys you just named weren't they in the Outsiders? Oh yeah, I think so, so. most yeah. of them, right? Yeah, most of them at least. So like, there's your connection right there. Like they basically, just, all right, we're, they, let's. Our, our wish list is the entire cast of The Outsiders. Which one of these dudes can we get? And they land on C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> we could get Charlie Sheen because Charlie Sheen would be like right off the bat. He's like, got any cocaine? You get the fuck out? Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention by 1985. Well, I, I didn't look to see when they actually made this, but I would assume it would have been in uh, 1985, obviously, since it came out in February of 86. But by this time, all those dudes' stars are way up mm-hmm. high. You know, they're on the rise. Oh, yeah. Like, this, yeah. This is the future of Hollywood. Yeah. At this point, I mean Tom Cruise. That was just a <laughs> that was like a flash in the pan. Like, yeah, I think maybe we'll just give this Tom Cruise. See what he thinks. Once again, wish that was that was happening. <laughs> Especially for like a, a fairly low budget HBO films movie in uh, 1985. <laughs> I think there was a little movie called Top Gun that was. <laughs> that, uh, another Tom one Cruise those, would have to drop out of to do another one of those little indie flicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the movie begins with. Uh, you come to find his, uh, the character C. Thomas Howe. He's playing. His name is Jim Halsey. He's driving like through the desert at night, and uh, he, you know, he's lighting up a cigarette and he's just driving. And, he, and he's basically trying to like keep himself awake. And that's also when you see the Hitcher, you know, title screen. Um, and uh, he's driving down this, you know, lonely highway and, and at night, and the storm's rolling in, and a VW Bug uh, passes by him. 
you know, he kind of gives it a glance and, you know, it just keeps on trucking. And uh, he's driving down the uh, the highway and uh, he's dozing off. Like I said, he's trying to keep himself a- awake. And that's when you see the kind, the kind of the storm roll in over the mountains. And uh, then he, he basically falls asleep at the wheel and uh, wakes up just in time uh, to see a Mack truck, like, you know, or a, a bigger egg or whatever, headed right toward him. Because uh, luckily the Mack truck, Mack truck driver was falling asleep. They both just crossed into the other lanes and missed each other. No, yeah. that wasn't. <laughs> he wakes up, you know, hears the horn, wakes up just in time to uh, miss the truck. Then he, he keeps on driving after that, and then he eventually, uh, it's raining, and he sees a, a hitchhiker on the side of the road. And uh, he picks him up, and uh, the man's name is John Ryder. They kind of have a uh, small talk, and then they're driving down the road. And the guy, the guy's really not, uh, Ryder's not saying much to him, but, you know, he's just kind of along for the ride. And they're going down the highway, and then they see that VW bug that uh, had passed by him, you know, at the beginning of the movie. They see it on the side of the road. And as they pass by, you can clearly see there's, like, a body or something. You know, somebody's in there. But uh, he, he's about to stop, and then Ryder grabs a hold of his leg and, like, pushes his leg into the uh, into the gas pedal to keep him going, and uh, Jim's like, "What the hell?" You know, you know, and there's nothing to see there, basically. So now he's uh, now he's definitely suspicious of the dude. He basically like stops on the side of the road and says, "All right, rides over, buddy. You're getting out." Ryder's about to get out, and then he basically just sits back down and closes the door and says, "No, I'm not going anywhere." Then like Ryder starts to threaten, like he keeps driving, but the Ryder starts to threaten him. He said he's going to cut off his arms and his legs and his head just like he did yeah he was talking about that guy right yeah, yeah. The <laughs> so just like right. i did to the, the guy in the volkswagen you know or whatever he says <laughs> so now now you know uh jim knows something's up yeah, so which at this point don't you think you'd be like well there's really no reason for me to to keep you in the car <laughs> yeah so i'm just gonna wreck it and let you die <laughs> if, if it takes me to then so be it <laughs> well, see, the, the very first line that Jim had in the movie, see, it was uh, was it something like, uh, "My mother told me never to do this." After you know, he stopped to pick up the hitchhiker. Yeah, yeah. Moral of the story is, if you listen to your mother, kids, shit, whatever yeah. would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Rutger Hauer won't chop you to death. <laughs> that's right. He won't cut your arms, legs off, the heads, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like Which by that point, that's when you know this movie's this movie's get tense right there off the bat. He's not playing around. He's talking about he cut their arms, legs. Yeah, head off the bodies in the other car and he's going to do it to you type thing. <laughs> it's a Jim's just kind of like, what the hell? You know, like, you know, now he's scared. And uh, Ryder holds a, a, he's got like a little uh, switchblade or something, right? And he holds, mm-hmm. a, he holds a knife on him. Like, I, I'm not sure what we, what was he holding on? Was he holding on his leg, his side? I'm not sure. I mean, it was hard to see. What I, he put it up, but at one point, I forget where exactly at first, but I know it ends up beside his eye because he says, you know, you want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? And then he's got the knife right there by his eye. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then he's like, got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck when his throat's been slit? You know, those types of things that you're like, good conversation when you're <laughs> yeah. you know, picking up a hitchhiker. <laughs> by the way, I did, do, I did do a little bit of reading on that, that scene right there. Apparently, uh, a good portion of that was ad-libbed. Hmm. And uh, Halsey... Uh, where he looked terrified in that scene was because he was <laughs> genuinely <laughs> terrified. Yeah. <laughs> that and that Howard continued on after this, too, I think, right? Uh, like, beyond the movie. Like, when he was on set with Rucker Howard and even off the set, he was, like, yeah, afraid of how, him. <laughs> Yeah, how intense he was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the way Rutger Howard carried himself, you know, in, in a lot of his movies and in this movie in particular, that would already <laughs> kind of spook you, right? You know, like, this dude... Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't know. I didn't really... I, I, 
I'd, I'd take it that Rucker Howard's probably the kind that kind of stays in character, you know, outside the scenes probably, of the movies, too, kept sort of a character actor. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine you're probably right. Um, so he, Ryder's got a knife to Jim, and uh, they stop at, like, this construction stop, you know, there's road, there's road work going on. And this guy's making small talk to him, and he's holding the knife on him, and basically they just roll on. And then after that, Jim uh, asks Ryder, what do you want? And then Ryder says, I want you to stop me, which I think is kind of the, you know, one of the basis of the theme of this movie, right? Like, yeah, there's like, multiple times when he really, you know, maybe could have stopped him. I mean, yeah. certainly in some times when he definitely could have stopped. <laughs> yeah. And either, you know, pushed out or didn't do it or, uh, mm. or at, he actually needed help. So just so he would be back in line to stop him, basically. You know, it's like, it's almost yeah. like, to me, it's almost like he's wanting him to, you know, uh, facilitate his suicide. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. suicide by Jim. Um, I can't commit suicide, but I can commit homicide. Yeah. I'm all cool with that. I can't do it to myself. Um, well, that's the one sin you can't get forgiven for. So, uh, well, we all, we all have our vices, I guess. <laughs> it's intermission time. Time to pause and refresh at the snack bar. During this short break, you can treat your taste of good food and sparkling cold beverages, including delicious Coca-Cola. If you're hot dog hungry, we have them. Sizzling, juicy hot dogs served in warm, oven-fresh buns, plus a complete menu of all your favorites. Visit the refreshment center now. Enjoy delicious food and ice-cold Coca-Cola. So Ryder, like I said, he's got the knife up to him, and, and that's, I think that's when he's talking about, like, you'd be surprised at how much blood comes out of a man's eyeball or something like that. You know, he's just talking yeah. shit to him. He's just really intimidating him up in his face. And um, he tells Jim to say, he wants him to repeat the words uh, that I want to die. So I want you to say it. And then as he's, uh, you know, kind of coaxing him to say it, um, Jim pushes him out the door. Like the door has been, uh, they once again foreshadowing, you know, early, a little bit earlier when Ryder got in, they show the dash where like the, it says the door is ajar. The door is ajar. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like basically that's just foreshadowing up to this moment where like he looks back over and realizes the door is ajar and then pushes Ryder out. Uh, so he just goes rolling down the road and Jim keeps on trucking and he's he's celebrating, you know. So he makes it the rest of the way through the night. And uh, so, like, now you're early in the morning or whatever, you know, like, the sun is out. A station wagon that's pulling a boat passes by Jim, and he's kind of, you know, now, now that he feels like he's escaped death, basically, from Ryder, he's kind of happy, like, ha-ha, all right, hey, here's <laughs> Singing this. along and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's celebrating. <laughs> Got away. And uh, there's a couple of kids in the back seat that have, like, little toy guns, and they're kind of, like, uh, shooting at him, and he goes, ha-ha, pow-pow. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, like, a teddy bear rises Pops up. up. From the back seat, and then like it lowers, and then uh, Ryder's Ryder is in the car with his family, sitting back there, smiling, with you know, like playing yeah. with the kids kind yeah. of thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting back there in the back of it, like, oh shit, this guy's back. Um, so then Jim kind of runs up beside him, and he's trying to warn him, and they're like, "Huh, huh? We're deaf. We can't hear shit." I mean, like even here, like if you couldn't understand what the dude was telling you, it seems like you should be more alarmed that he's, you know, you're out here in the middle yeah. of nowhere, and he's like, it seems like he'd be having something important to say, right? Instead of just like maybe it could be that hitchhiker we picked up down the road. Yeah, yeah, no, no, maybe that's he cool. He's sitting back and put it in the back seat with our children. <laughs> and now he's he's kissing the little girl on the cheek too. I'm like, that's just fucked up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's showing him how friendly he is with the kids and how he's you know um, after he's you know gonna do whatever he's gonna do. 
so but like basically like so he he pulls up beside them on this two you know this one lane road here trying to warn them and they're 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 paying attention to them but they're really kind of almost blowing it off really they're not doing anything you know trying to slow down and understand what he's saying or anything and uh meantime there's a bus coming the other direction and uh jim realizes it and kind of swerves off the road and uh swipes the bus and then just takes off so i guess they get separated here from the station wagon then a little bit later on he comes across the station wagon and he stops and he looks inside and you don't see anything but you assume they're all dead yeah he's um, it's pretty nasty too because then he comes over to the car and vomits basically yeah, he starts yeah his car um so then <laughs> I, I noticed this theme too so then like after that he, he he drives down the road a piece and he finds a gas station uh, there's a gas station theme here from here on out where you could almost like take oh, a yeah. shot take a <laughs> shot every time he arrives at a gas station and you're going to get drunk off your ass. But I guess that's all that would be out in the middle of nowhere, I guess, but still. He finds a gas station and uh, he's kind of looking around and then he turns around and Ryder's there. And uh, Ryder hands him uh, his keys to his uh, car and then he just walks outside and thumbs a ride, like gets in a truck and drives on or rides on. Then uh, Jim leaves. He gets back in his car and he leaves and he's going down the highway again. And then all of a sudden that that truck that Ryder got into flies up behind him and, and rams him. <laughs> then he just drives. Then uh, Ryder just keep you assume that Ryder's in the or maybe they show it. But, you know, you put two and two together here. Ryder's in the truck. He just keeps on trucking. Meanwhile, uh. Jim goes off the side of the road. Then he eventually uh, comes across and finds another gas station. He walks up to the gas station and he's looking around to see if he can find anybody. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Ryder's in that truck and he busts out of the garage. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, you wouldn't have heard that engine start or anything. He says, "Bah!" <laughs> uh, right over the gas pumps, bam! <laughs> yeah. And he drives over well, the apparently, gas pumps. Apparently, that was the premise for the Kool Aid guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. John Ryder. <laughs> a murderous psychopath. Oh, yeah. Um, so he, like, drives through the garage door, like, bam, ha-ha, I'm here. And then he runs over the gas pumps, and then he stops the truck, and, like, gas is going everywhere from the pumps, but they, but they haven't blown up. Apparently, the gas leaks, but there's no sparks from this that happened. And uh, so there's just gas pouring everywhere, and Jim takes off running through it. And then uh, Ryder lifts up a match and then throws it in. And then, of course, it, it just fucking explodes. And uh, Jim manages to get into his car, but, like, the car, the top of the car is on fire. I guess, from you know, gas splashed up or whatever. So, like, he drives <laughs> through it, and, like, the car's yeah. on fire as he gets the hell out. Very, very cool scene visually there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, of course, they never address, you know, any further damage to the car. He just drove through a fucking gas explosion and the car's on fire. But then the next scene, you know, everything's pretty much all right. So this is now you're getting to the introduction of Nash, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character. She's getting off the bus at yet another gas station, which is, at least this one is a gas station slash diner because she's showing up for work. She works there. So she goes in and kind of sets the place up for the day. Then Jim shows up and, uh, uh, basically wants to use the phone, uh, calls the cops, and they tell him to stay there. <laughs> yeah, but she's like, uh, why do you want to use the phone? I'm going to be completely ambiguous about my reason. <laughs> I got no time. I'm covered in gasoline. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, why? Why not? <laughs> I'm going to come in and, and be very methodical and slow about the way I'm doing this, but I don't have the time to explain to you what has just happened to me. <laughs> just get me a phone so I can say this once, because I don't want to say it twice. Make my cheeseburger, bitch. <laughs> 
So he goes in there and calls the cops. Meanwhile, she makes him a cheeseburger and some fries, or whatever. So like he comes, he goes into the uh, the uh, gas station bathroom or the diner bathroom and takes a whore's bath in the sink, and then uh, kind of straightens <laughs> himself up a little bit. And comes back out and he's starting to eat, uh, eat his French fries, and he's making small talk with her. And then uh, he lifts one up and it's a finger. <laughs> Now, where the hell did this finger come from? Like, I guess it, uh, clearly, this dude is a, a magician because he can duck in, <laughs> slip the finger in, and nobody sees him. Yeah, yeah. Well, slip the yeah. finger in. That's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, that's uh, that's another audio drop. <laughs> <laughs> he can come in, slip the finger in, and no one's the wiser. <laughs> kind of like that. Well, no, the hotel scene. No, no. Oh. No, I think I think the original. Uh, uh, set up for this scene was uh, there was supposed to be an eyeball in the burger instead of a finger in the fries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. I did read something about that, too. And another one of those things where they changed for... Once again, I guess it I doesn't know. matter, but where the hell did they get the finger? Like, they, they, they just carry fingers <laughs> One of the around? numerous people that he's left on the side I of the I guess road. he just happened to, like, <laughs> chop a couple fingers off and kept them in his pocket, uh, that trench coat or something, I guess, but... <laughs> Um, I was now the eyeball thing uh, would have been pretty cool. Would have been a nice reference to what he was saying to him in the car at the time about you know what a knife does to you know puncturing an eyeball or whatever. I'm sure that's all. <laughs> that could have been why the eyeball was there. Originally. I'm sure that's all part of the toned down you know aspect of yeah. things. Although I, I was thinking that the finger might have been because remember she made some reference when he's making small talk, small talk with Nash, that uh, her uncle or her cousin or whatever owned the joint, right? So I'm mm. thinking maybe that's who it was. Like you know, oh yeah. In my mind, the connection was like. Man, that must be like her uncle's finger or something. Maybe he was back there and she didn't know it, and uh, Ryder killed him. And here's the finger, you know. And then put him in the <laughs> put but, him uh, in the dish. That's overthinking it apparently yeah. because you know there's no reference to it whatsoever. But so, anyways, he's eating French fries and finds a finger. And when he runs outside, uh, the cops basically show up and then they arrest him, and uh, they search his pockets and uh, Ryder's uh, knife. The uh, switchblade knife is in his pocket so once again the ma- the magic of john Ryder, <laughs> like david copperfield john Ryder, ladies and gentlemen Come here. yeah so now he's down at the police station like a police headquarters and they're questioning him and uh he really has no alibi like, everything keeps pointing to like this dude it, it seems like jim is the one who's done all this so now they lock him up in the jail cell and he he lays there and he kind of has like a little like uh i guess he sleeps briefly and he has like a little bit of a nightmare you know there's a little small sequence there but then when he wakes up, he hears the phone ringing and stuff, and then no one's answering it. Then he walks over to the uh, cell door, and it just opens by itself. Or, you know, he barely pushes it, and it opens like it was unlocked. So then he starts walking around the uh, the police station, and uh, all he sees is, like, a one. I guess, like, the police canine walks by or something. And uh, then he walks into the, uh, I guess, the main station room there, and uh, he finds all the cops that had been questioning him including the critter, uh, the dad from Critters, they're all dead, and uh, that, that, ca- that police canine dog is like, is he eating the guy, or is he just licking on him because he's bloody, whatever, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. But he's like, oh, God, you know, he freaks out. <laughs> I guess as you would, as you you know, if you saw a dog eating a man <laughs> or licking a uh, man or whatever. And you didn't realize until then how hapless those three cops were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of them managed to get his gun out, but that was it, I guess. Because yeah. he was on the floor dead with the gun in his hand. Yeah, because yeah, I think he takes the gun, right? Jim grabs yeah. the gun and takes it yeah. off. Um, but doesn't check it. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> so then when he, uh, he he takes off running when he sees this, of course, then more cops, on, on cue, more cops arrive. <laughs> Send more cops. 
call back to Return of the Living <laughs> yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so more cops arrive, and like meanwhile, you know, like he's all he's all the way up on top of a hill, and he just takes off running like into the <laughs> desert. And of course, uh, he he walks around out there, and then he finds another gas station. This time he comes. Which leads you to believe that maybe on top of riders on the storm on the storm, he might have also got inspiration from Get Your Kicks you know, on Route sixty six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the other song. Wasn't me. I mean, you and did. also uh, all those all those signs you see in the movies of this is the last gas station for so many miles. Yeah, full, are of, full shit. of shit. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently all the all these damn gas stations are about a mile apart because uh, <laughs> and are within walking distance. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you would have found Jim dead in the desert from dehydration. <laughs> so he arrives at yet another gas station. This time uh, there's a couple cops outside, and he pulls he pulls the gun on them, and he kidnaps the cops. And basically gets them to drive him. So he's in the back of the car. And uh, he gets them to pull up their captain on the radio. And he's trying to negotiate, a, uh, you know, maybe a peaceful end for himself how to get out of this. And it seems like they kind of have an agreement. And then all of a sudden, Ryder rides up in that in that truck and then shoots the cops. Like, pops them both. <laughs> like, I guess yeah. one straight up dead and the other one gets him in the neck and he bleeds out. Uh, and now he's stuck. Jim's stuck in the back seat with the car still going, right? Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> So he manages, I guess, to uh, you know get it under control, and then he finds a, a cafe, yet another diner. Now this one I think was just a cafe though. I think it was like a motel slash cafe type deal. I don't think there was a gas station there. I don't think there were any gas pumps on the premises. But uh, either way, uh, he steps into this cafe and like he's all beat up, you know, and just like stunned. He's in uh, you know shock, and uh, he sits down and. Uh, I think the, then, like, the person behind the counter, like, can I get you something? Like, I'll, I'll take coffee. Like, you know, something like that, yeah. right? I got some on already. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> got some on the burn. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so he's sitting there kind of dazed and shocked. And then uh, all of a sudden, Ryder just walks in and sits down with him in the booth. And then Jim pulls that gun out and, and like, up underneath the table, and he's holding it on him. And uh, he's like, you're not, you're not going to shoot me with it. It's got no ammo. And then he... He, he kind of jumps at him a little bit, and he starts clicking. And sure enough, there's no ammo in the gun. Then uh, Ryder basically like, takes some pennies or something, like licks them and puts them on his eyes, and then drops some uh, drops like a napkin or something on the table, and uh, walks away. And then Jim unfolds the napkin, and there's ammo. So he gives him the bullets. Um, yeah, all this all this cat and mouse too, like lead you to believe that you could. I mean, he pretty much could have set this entire thing up. Like he could have gone in the police station, shot all these cops with that gun, put the empty gun in that cop's hand where it's in plain view for Jim to get out where, you know, cause he got a lot to sell. Yep. So he would have already known that it was empty anyway. And he was going to grab that gun. You know? Yeah. Cause that's he, how complex is like his cat and mouse is. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's clearly like five steps ahead of Jim on almost every turn yeah. and, and completely putting this on his, on his ledger. You know, like, like you said, I mean like it all looks like it's his fault, you know, to, yeah. You know, to the cops, of course, we're, you know, yeah. the, the audience, we know what's going on. But to the cops, you'd be like, yeah, this, this motherfucker's a, he's a, he's a psycho. A bus pulls up outside and uh, Jim kind of walks, you know, kind of sneaks around the bus and, and climbs on and like hides in the bathroom. Then everybody gets back on, because basically the bus arrived for everybody to come in, I guess, take a piss, get something to eat, hop back on the bus and take off. While they're doing that, he sneaks and hides in the bathroom. They all get back on the bus and take off. And then you cut the, or it pulls back to see Ryder a few hundred yards away or whatever in his truck, just sitting there watching him. So he he's following. As it turns out, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee Nash is on the bus. He ends up grabbing her, taking her into the bathroom, and like, you know, look, I'm innocent of all this shit. 
and then take, uh, you know, don't scream basically, and then takes her back and they sit in the back row of the bus. I guess kind of, you know, somewhat convinces her that like, hey, you know, I'm not the bad guy here. Somebody's after me. You know, this this is all a setup kind of thing. Because now the news is out that there's a psycho loose in the desert. You know, everybody knows what's going on now, right? Like in terms of bad shit oh, yeah. has been happening. There's dead bodies, dead cops, everything. So now the, the you know, this isn't a, a contained situation anymore. Everybody around the area knows. Some cops pull, uh, or a cop pulls over the bus, and Jim basically, like, she's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to surrender, you know. I'm going to get out of this. So he basically walks out, you know, I'm, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm unarmed. And the cop, uh, one of the cops is straight up like, uh, you killed my friend, uh, you know, so now I'm going to get you. So he's holding the gun on him and, and then says, like, hey, you, you spit on my sleeve, uh, wipe it off. So clearly the move is, like, if you move and try to grab the gun, I'm going to kill your ass right here. Yeah, and, and these people on the bus are going to witness, you know, yeah, they yeah, lunge for my gun. So then, like, this is about to go down. And even the other cops like, no, you don't want to go down this way, dude. This ain't right. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, Nash comes off the bus and shoots in the air, you know, kind of gets them to stop. And then she shoots at him, like, at the ground. And then her and uh, Jim, they grab one of the, the cop's car and they take off. Meanwhile, once again, like, you know, a little, little ways back, riders watching this go down. So now uh, they're getting chased by cops. Like, more cops show up, and they're being chased down the highway, and they're shooting. The cops are shooting at them, and this car is just falling apart, like one bullet <laughs> at a time. You know, it's just like, pow, like, there goes the hood. Pow, there goes the door. Uh, it's just fucking, it's, it's the weakest made cop car ever because it's just... <laughs> It's just falling apart piece by piece as they yeah. go down the highway. Cops. And he's trying to get her to shoot back at them, at yeah, least yeah, at their yeah. tires. Like she, <laughs> does she even get off a shot? She drops the gun or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Two cops pull up on each side of them, and Jim slams on the brakes. And, of course, uh, Three Stooges kicks in. The cops, like, you know, ram into each other and flip. And uh, I'm assuming it kills everybody because then they, they ride up through it and, like, it's it's a ghost town, you know, you don't see any bodies or anything, but, like, nobody's moving. He just accidentally killed a bunch of cops, um, <laughs> basically. Um, no, 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 no. They killed each other. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> so, now, Certainly. so now they're going down the highway in this, in this fucking, uh, you know, rigged up, twisted metal <laughs> on old PlayStation game. Uh, uh, half a car. Half a car. And then all of a sudden, a police chopper. Rolls up from behind and is chasing them, and uh, it's shooting down. You know they're they're just loading it, shooting down from the helicopter. Ryder pulls up and like he's like you know on like a parallel road or something, or off in the desert over here on the on the right, and uh, he just takes a couple of shots with a pistol and and blows up the helicopter basically. <laughs> like it crashed. Like, I guess you know I guess if if the shot is just right and he hit the pilot you know, okay, and it goes down, right? But, like, you're led to believe it's not necessarily that. Like, he just straight up shot this damn thing out of the sky with a pistol. <laughs> well, now, see, goes, from playing <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, uh -huh, okay. all you got to do is shoot the rod that goes up to the propeller, and it's over. Oh, okay, well, science. Ah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Video game logic, man, it, all, it all checks out. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, he basically... But you can see at this point, too, they're throwing everything in, too. I mean, it's... You know, the horror, the thriller, and now you got action with car chases and helicopter chases and gunplay. Yeah. Just about everything's been thrown in and, at this point. And like, like you said, uh, Ryder is like fucking David Copperfield. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. he shoots a damn helicopter down with a pistol, and then then the, the chopper falls on top of the other cars that have 
caught up and chased him. So now, like now, all these cops are dead, right? So in, in just two small shootouts, he's he's killed like two dozen cops. <laughs> no wonder people run from cops in real life. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's, the hitcher is to blame. Um, it's getaway propaganda. But then she, you know, one line that Nash says somewhere here is uh, that uh, he asked, she asked Jim, why didn't he kill? Like, this is when they, like, I guess the car dies. Either the car, like, it, it, that was kind of, <laughs> like, did the car just die or did they just decide to say, fuck this car, I'm going to walk through the desert? Because I never really, he just kind of slowly pulls over on the side of the road and gets yeah, out, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> gets out. <laughs> well, remember during the chase, like, it had gotten to where it would only get up to about 60 miles an hour. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I guess it just dies and they have to bail, but. Yeah. As they're get as they're getting out or whatever, and he's just walking like you know in shock or whatever. She comes up and says, "Why didn't he kill us?" You know, like she's she's uh, almost hysterical. You know, like I guess that Ryder had plenty of opportunities and he didn't he didn't kill us. So they they go they walk along in the desert and then eventually they come upon a motel and they, you know they get a room for the night. Uh, which you would think out here, like that would be next to impossible for them to get a room for the night, right? Like, <laughs> like there's not much else going on in the desert when uh, like two dozen cops and choppers and shit just got killed. And also, why why would they think that he's not going to find them there? The only hotel that's right, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's there, right? <laughs> Your main suspect just walked up, and uh, no, they're cool. They're, they give him a room. But, well, by process of elimination. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So they get a room for the night, and uh, so uh, there, uh, Jim goes in to take a shower, and then uh, he told her not to use the phone, but of course, as soon as he goes in to take the shower, she uses the phone to call her dad. And then this was a pretty cool scene. Like you hear some, you hear some trucks and stuff parking and whatnot outside. There's some, you know, cars moving around, and then like the headlights of a truck or something kind of, kind of shine over the room because the room is dark. She's laying in the bed, and then you see Ryder standing in the corner. So I'm sure if you were watching this in the theater, you're like, oh, shit, you know? <laughs> you're completely not expecting it, you know? Now, to be honest, at this point, I was completely expecting her dad to be him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never <laughs> went down that path. That finger popped up out of nowhere, and it was just like, how did that dude magically put that finger in the uh, french fries unless they were together? <laughs> because he's John Copperfield Ryder. That's how. <laughs> Now that's that is an interesting spin. I mean, I, that never crossed my yeah. mind. I mean, that would have been uh, kind of a interesting little twist, I guess. Yeah. Um, although it would have completely killed the scene that's about to come up here shortly. <laughs> that would make him truly psychotic, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, you see that Ryder's in the room, but she doesn't know it, and he slowly gets in the bed and lays down beside her. Basically, it's like like starts hugging up to her, and she kind of turns <laughs> to reach. I guess maybe she's going to kiss him or whatever. I don't know. And then she realizes like. Oh shit! It's not it's not Jim, and he just grabs he grabs a hold of it. It's the guy that slipped the finger. Yeah, <laughs> slipped that finger earlier. So didn't guy, even know it, but he slipped. Got to put the finger in the. He's trying to do it again. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> that was not again. That would have been awesome too. Like ah. Hey, I just wanted to ask: How the hell did you get that finger in those French fries? It's like you. It was you, right? You, the finger. Yeah. What the? Was what it as a greaser? <laughs> How did you get it so crispy? <laughs> it smelled really good. What what seasonings were you using? Old Bay. Old Bay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's always Old Bay. It's always Old Bay. Yeah. So he grabs a hold of her, and then like Jim uh, comes out of the shower, finally, or like he hears the TV come on, right? 
So he, he's thinking that maybe Nash is awake because she was uh, laying down asleep, quote unquote, when he went into the shower. Yeah. So he's like, he's yelling for her. He comes out and she's gone and the door's open and he runs out and he's starting to, he's looking around like there's uh, big rigs everywhere. And then all of a sudden the cops grab a hold of him. And uh, I guess he basically thinks he's under arrest. Like, no, 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 we need your help. So uh, he goes over and, or they take him over and uh, Ryder has strung Nash up between a uh, like the big rig truck and the trailer like he has her like chained or tied up in between and he's revving the engine like he's ready to take off and like pull her apart but i guess he's willing to talk to jim so jim gets in the cab Ryder basically tells him to shoot him like he's got the gun laying on the seat right and basically tells him to pick him up and shoot him right yeah basically it's telling him, yeah just again you know that scene like like earlier just you know do it yeah there you go here's your chance and for <laughs> yeah. whatever reason he still won't do it after all this he still, he's like, I, I can't do it. And uh, Ryder basically calls him a pussy and then takes off uh, and kills Nash. But you don't see this. All you see is, like, you hear the revving of the engine. He's about to do it. And I think you see her hands that are, like, bound up. Yeah, you and see him go, get a little bit more taut, I guess, a little yeah, tighter, and then the truck lurches then, forward, right? But yeah, so but you, not with not with her on there. I mean, yeah, you don't yeah, see her you get don't see it happen, anything happen but, to her. Yeah, you, you and, uh, but you put two and two together that he's yeah. just straight up pulled yeah. her apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, you know, now he's, uh, he's, the jig is up, so now he's under arrest. So they cut mm-hmm. to the uh, police interrogation room, and they're questioning Ryder, and he's basically not saying anything. So then uh, Jim goes in there. And uh, he kind of like grabs his hand and he's like like shaking his hand or whatever. And then he spits in his face. So they take him out. So you're outside the uh, police station now. They're bringing Ryder out and putting him on like a transport bus. So I guess to take him to prison or wherever the hell they're taking him. Jim is in the same like SUV with uh, the captain, the police captain, who, you know, he, he had negotiated with over the CB earlier. So they kind of go one way and the bus goes the other way. And uh, Jim, or, Jim and the captain are talking, and then Jim grabs the captain's gun and basically takes the car from him and uh, mm-hmm. says, I got to go, you know, basically, I got to go finish this. I got to go do it. And I uh, leave the captain standing on the side of the road. He takes off, and then he's riding up. Like, I guess he sees the bus, so he's, he's flying up behind it, on, you know, in the SUV that he just stole. Ryder, at this sa- uh, almost at the same moment, I guess Ryder grabs a hold of a shotgun inside the bus and kills the guards or the cops that are in the bus with him then opens the back door and jumps out (laughs) (laughs) jumps out onto the onto the suv that's speeding up and goes right through the windshield he just jumps like dives straight through the windshield (laughs) yeah like that was straight up killing right i mean yeah can we agree here he's dead but no well you know in that scene, though, he did. I mean, he did. I know Rucker Howard did a lot of his stunts in the movie as far as driving cars and stuff. Now, that scene, there's probably a little bit that he didn't do, but there's a point where he did do part of it and actually knocked out one of his teeth with the shotgun that he oh, had in yeah. his hand when he Damn. went through the windshield. <laughs> but yeah, I would say if this is a real scenario, that would you, that would kill you. Yeah, you're going to lose more than a tooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd break your face. Well, also think you would have hit the windshield and then shot straight up in the air. <laughs> yeah. You mean you wouldn't? I mean, unless, you know, unless the windshield yeah, showed, maybe the windshield would have been shattered in a little bit or whatever. Well, let's just say they didn't show did, that. But let's that would say, be you know, still in, not feasible. In 1985, maybe they had different windshield technology. So let's just say it was like, does, it was 1985, right? That's so, so he does go through it. Let's just say that, right? But the glass would cut him apart. Like he'd be. Yeah. It would just tear yeah. him, it would tear him up. He'd be yeah, and, and who knows how fast they were supposedly going. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> at that time, you were imagining like in the you know that he's getting it because he had to catch up yeah. to the bus. So they're yeah. flying <laughs> like 60, 65, 70 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Easily fifty. And, and I'm guessing Jim never thought, all right, this guy looks like he's about to jump. I'm just gonna hit the brakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The end. <laughs> the, the credits, in credits roll. That's yeah. <laughs> he just hits the brake and says the end, and then uh, credits. It. Uh, Ryder's just a bloody smear on the road. Yeah. yeah. So he jumps through the windshield, and then then that's when uh, like he, he's in the car. Uh, Jim, that's when Jim decides to slam on the brakes, and then he flies out. Once again, <laughs> even that might kill him. Right, going back through the windshield. Yeah, to the road yeah. would very well kill him, possibly. <laughs> but no, he's not. Dead. Again, a cool stunt because they show whoever that stunt man was went right through that thing and onto the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool um, shot, but yeah, not not likely to happen in real life, of course. <laughs> then of course he gets up and he shoots at Jim. Jim gets back in the car and he, like during this time, I think he's like trying to struggle to start the car up. Right, he's kind of struggling with the keys in typical like horror movie fashion, like it won't start or whatever. Right, the rider's coming toward him with the gun, and then he finally gets it to start up, and then he. He hits Ryder with the car. You know, Ryder gets deflected off, you know, thrown like 20, 30 foot. He grab, he go, Jim goes over and grabs the shotgun. Doesn't he like poke him with the shotgun or something? <laughs> yeah, you might as well yeah. just have a stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, at this point, too, is when I think in the original script, he was he was going to kill him right there on the ground. Bam, and that was it. That's, but the, way, I, that's the way it should have been because you've been through yeah. all this shit. And clearly he was hell-bent on revenge because he just held up a captain and, told, and you know, yeah. stole his car to go catch back up with him. You would think, like, I want to make yeah. sure this motherfucker's dead. I'm going to blow his brains yeah. out right here. But no, he just yeah, kind That's what they wanted to do. But for some reason, they uh, they didn't shoot that scene that way. And I don't know what led them to believe, but they, they thought they were getting an X rating if they did that. Just because he's lying on the ground, defenseless, basically, even though he's done all this fucked up shit. Yeah. He's just lying on the ground, they're going to blow, blow his head off, that they were getting an X rating for that. So they had him end it the way they did end it, which we're getting into now. And then Jim turns around, you know, once again, one of those things you don't do in uh, these in these movies, right? <laughs> he turns around, <laughs> Ryder gets up, and then Jim's able to, like, uh, uh, pull the shotgun up, and he shoots him three times, uh, killing him. And then uh, he goes over and uh, stands at his car, like, you know, the SUV that he stole. He goes over and just stands there. The credits roll, but he's still, like, during, the during like, the first minute or so of the credits, he's still just standing there, kind of, like, soaking it all in, you know, <laughs> as the credits are rolling beside him. Then it eventually goes to black and, you know, full credits the end. That is 1986 classic The Hitcher, starring Rutger Hauer. Will. What do you think of it? What's your, what's your star rating on this one? Oh, man. Uh, wasn't a big fan of this one. Uh, so I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it two stars. Huh. Uh, just a, just a lot of, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was better when it first came out. And, you know, I, I've seen way too many like crazy people, like murderous movies before this one. Mm-hmm. So this one just didn't really like hook me. And then, like I said at the beginning, I mean, he's a, he's an escape artist. That's a psychopath, I guess. Like, how does he keep popping up, you know, and, and all that. So yeah, yeah, I ended up settling on about two stars. So, so basically you're saying like the believability wasn't for me. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Uh, smoke. Where are you at? Uh, yeah, I can, I mean, I can, I can see how you get to that as far as that star rating and then, it's I guess it's sort of a product of its time too, and when, when the 
those types of movies are being made where you <laughs> you, know, you almost you got to suspend a lot of disbelief to get behind it, you know. Right. But for me, it's it's I've seen it initially back in '87 or so. A few I don't know how many times a good portion. Of, anytime it came on HBO that I knew it was on or whatever, I'd watch it again. So one that's uh, I, I loved it initially, and then it's kind of even going on me even more so. So. But I, I'd give it a three and three quarter stars, actually. I think I'm going to lean closer to Smoke than I than I am Will. Like you said, you know, like kind of both what you've both said. I mean, like you do have to suspend disbelief, you know, for a lot of it. And we joked about that in, in the, uh, you know, during our discussion about it. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that aside, I mean, I think just Rutger Hauer's uh, dead his on. Performance. Yeah, his performance is just dead on like psycho performance yeah. here i mean really makes it i mean like and like we talked about if someone else had done it I, you know i don't know if it would resonate just as well um maybe it maybe it would maybe it wouldn't but i think like you know sometimes when you when you watch these kind of movies like you know here in in the year 2019 you're watching a movie that was made in 1986 you know you have to kind of at least this is the way i approach it sometimes you almost have to put yourself back in that frame of mind of like how it would be back then you know no mm. internet you know, no cell phones to call somebody to help out or anything, you know, I think that's the part that kind of helps you suspend this belief, in my opinion, you know, years later. Um, mm, yeah. And even at the time, I mean, you know, same thing. Yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I, guess, I guess the thing that kind of stuck out to me was just this this feels like the, when they were making this movie they were trying to make almost like a uh, like a hitchcock type movie but it never had like that that paradigm shift you know that 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 it seems like most of the hitchcock movies had mm-hmm. you know where everything gets turned on its head and and now we get it it was just this is the way it is from beginning to end and that to me there was just a, a lot of stuff that was was far-fetched Almost and again, like you said, it, it could be a, a product of the time. You know, this they, this movie being what thirty five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, it just didn't resonate with me. Well, I, I don't know if I just uh, said my star rating there when I uh, was talking about it. I'm going to go with three stars, even on it. This one's, uh, I think it's really well done for what it is. There are a lot of things, like you said, you know, you can question, but uh, I just think Rutger Hauer's performance in this, like, it just puts it, you know. Up a up a nudge for me, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna land on three stars. This is definitely one of my personal favorites, though. I mean, I, I I've yeah. always enjoyed this one. So I guess and I think it's set set in setting as well too. I love the that desert, and then some of the scenes where they just got the hurricane fan or whatever blowing. I mean, it's excessive even then in that scene where it's just blowing sand all across and tumbleweeds and everything. That first gas station scene, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that just kind of I love. Even though it's not feasible, it's almost kind of like a spaghetti western in a way, you know, where it's sort of dreamlike rather than realistic, I guess, in some the those background shots. Yeah, and just about every place that he arrives doesn't have anyone there. Yeah. So it's almost like he's he's yeah. all alone out here with this nut, you know. So that yeah. kinda lends lends you to that intensity, you know, that thriller aspect of it. It's even a little bit neo noirish in a way, you know, like like noir in the film noir of course being forties and fifties and the whole neo noir genre of things that came after that era, 60s, 70s, 80s, that Blade Runner itself is kind of seen as a neo-noir type yeah, film where it no doubt. uses these things from the 50s and the 40s and applies them to whatever modern you know, filmmaking techniques they were doing at the time. So it kind of has that feel a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So I think all in all, I mean, I think we all enjoyed it. I mean, 
maybe not will quite as much but i mean well, no no i mean go ahead i think it's i think it's a i think it's a decent movie and, and i think it's a, it's a movie that you know everybody should watch once but it just didn't yeah i wouldn't put Overall, it on there you got you got entertainment out of that absolutely yeah. I, like i said i mean i can definitely understand i mean it's, it's almost like you know the uh when we've talked about many a times here on the show with suspiria you know like it just depends on what angle you're coming from right yeah you know, like yeah. when you saw it how you saw it all that kind of thing so and that and that and once again we've talked about it before that weighs heavily i think in all of all three of our decisions on where we land on these movies it's kind of like you know they're there it's more than just like is the is this movie can this movie be compared to citizen kane you know like no no of course not <laughs> yeah, that's where sometimes some of the struggle and it really hasn't been that way yet for me but some of the i mean as we get into some of these other movies that maybe aren't so well put together if we put it that way yeah there's gonna be a little bit of a struggle for me to rate based on because what i try to do is rate based on my entertainment value i guess not necessarily taking into account the technicality of whatever the script or the cinematography and all those things yeah, although sometimes i do depending you know if we're reviewing the exorcist it would be a different story yeah yeah, I mean, we've discussed that before. Like, we're not looking at yeah. this like Siskel and Ebert would look at it. You know, we're yeah. looking at it more of like we come from a place of love in a way. You know? That's right. <laughs> Mentioning Siskel and Ebert, they did not like this movie at all. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they hated. Yeah. What was it they said? Or uh, let's see, Ebert. Ebert said. Uh, Ebert. Uh, let's see. Gave it zero stars. <laughs> and uh, then uh, both Siskel and Ebert denounced the movie for its violence. Let's see, Ebert. Ebert was on a Carson show and he said, of course, the film should be made, it should be shown, and it should not be attended by anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Carson or something say something about censorship? So you're against censorship, right? And then they said, yeah, absolutely against it. It should be made, yeah, it should be shown. (laughs) But nobody should go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Way to to uh, read. Which is weird. It's just weird to me. Siskel and Ebert, I mean, well, not so much Siskel, he was always, he never really cared for like horror movies and stuff, but Ebert always, he had this, like, Dawn of the Dead, he would applaud that movie to the end of time or whatever, and even Night of the Living Dead, but then when it came to, like, this, or, of course, I spit on your grave, you know, I can see that, though, maybe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But he had such a weird split that you just had no idea where he was going to land when it came to, especially exploitation horror movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't hate them, not all of them, I mean, just some. Just most. Most, yeah. <laughs> well, like I Hell, said, I, think, I, mean, guys like that, I could be wrong, but I thought like the Wes Craven's Last House on the Left. I could be wrong, but I thought that he kind of applauded that one, which uh, is in similar vein to I Spill Your Grave, maybe not quite, you know, as over-the-top exploitation as that one. But. I, failed, I failed to mention it earlier, like I think like we normally do, so I'll go ahead and add it in here. On IMDb, this movie gets 7.3 out of 10 stars, which, you know, that's, that's over 70%. That's like forty thousand, you know, star reviews. So that's a. It's actually more than I thought it might have got. Would have gotten on. That's a really high number. And on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it gets sixty-one percent on the tomato meter out of thirty-one, or I'm sorry, thirty-six reviews. And it gets a seventy-four percent on the audience score, and that's out of over forty-three thousand user ratings. So I mean, it, you know, no matter how you slice it, there either on Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, you know, which is uh, generally seen as a, a good indicator i mean it gets pretty good grades so um like i said you know we look we tend to look at things i think through a, a lens of uh, appreciation and love for these type of things at least i know i can speak for myself i know i do yeah versus the way i like, oh, yeah. say like you said like we said siskel and ebert or 
you know, uh, some LA Times. <laughs> yeah, we're not necessarily you know, rating their technical merits. Yeah, yeah. Unless exactly. there is something to, you know, mention about that. <laughs> and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of those movies where we dive into that. And I think we kind of talk about that when we're, you know, kind of poking fun at it, you know. But I think we see them for what they are, you know. I mean, like, these are low-budget movies, you know, that are not done by Alfred Hitchcock and uh, Martin Scorsese here, you know. like <laughs> So they just kind of are what they are. But I think that's why we appreciate them so much. So uh, we're we're fans of the genre. So <laughs> you look you look at things a little differently when you're a fan of it, right? Yeah. The way I look at like uh, my my favorite football team is different from the way you look at it because I'm a fan of it. You know, same deal. So that leads us to the next episode. We're going to be reviewing slash discussing the 2017 movie It, which uh, I believe they've kind of gone back and called it It Chapter One now that It Chapter Two comes out in September of uh you know 2019 so we figured it'd be a good time to go back and uh visit uh the first chapter you know as chapter two comes out and uh everyone's flocking to the theaters to break more records on imdb the synopsis for uh it from 2017 is in the summer of 1989 a group of bullied kids band together to destroy a shape-shifting monster which disguises itself as a clown and preys on the children of Derry, their small main town. So there's your setup. I mean, that pretty much will get you in the door, right? You, you, know, you kind of know what's going on just from that. Um, <laughs> so uh, that'll be the next episode. So uh, be sure to check us out uh, here in the next week or two when that, when that comes out. And uh, you guys got anything else to add about the Hitcher or anything else before we sign out? I'm good. That's good. Just uh, so on the Rucker Howard. Enjoyed every movie I've seen of his, and I plan on watching all the 170 that I haven't seen yet, or the other 150-something that I haven't seen yet at some point. Like I said, that's <laughs> the good thing about his long careers. There's plenty of library to go back and enjoy it. So that's uh, true. hats off to you, Mr. Rutger Hauer, and thanks for everything. I guess for uh, Will and for Smoke, I'm Josh, and uh, we will see you next time on the All-American Spook Show podcast. Peace. Shout out, everybody.